Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. I'm praying this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for the chance to gather in your house. We thank you, God, that we can sing about your goodness, about the fact that you indeed overcame the grave, God, that that we can praise you for all the ways in which you have declared the work done. You, You have paid the price, God. You have made the way possible. And so as we gather here, as we as we sung songs to you, God, I pray that you would receive them this morning. As we prepare our hearts for your word, I pray, God, that you would ready us this morning, God. I pray, God, that the word that you have for us today would be one that, that gives us direction and, 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 and points us and sets us up for, for what you have ahead this week, Lord God. God, this morning, we want to be before the throne. We want to be right in proximity with you. So God, allow us to know the, the, the closeness of the King. Allow us to know your presence in this place. Comfort those who, who are hurting this morning. Come alongside of those who need someone to lean on this morning. Give direction to those who, who are wandering this morning. Find those who are lost this morning. Renew those who have wandered away this morning. God, this morning... We'll come before you empty-handed and believe in God that you would indeed speak to your people. Thank you for this great time of worship. Thank you for those who you have gifted to lead us in this way. And God, prepare us now for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I want to say welcome. I'm glad you can be seated. I'm glad you're here. I also want to say if you are... uh, If you're itty-bitty and all the way up through fifth grade, it's time for you to roll on out. Pastor Jackson's here and he's happy to take you. You're not in fifth grade yet. You're not. But you will be one day by the grace of God. All right, all right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, to all of you who are visiting with us for the first time, I want to say I'm glad you're here. Welcome. I also want to let you know that we're having a party We're having a party just for you. We're having a party just for you. If you're visiting with us for the first time or you're new here, we're having a party just for you. It'll last for five minutes, and it'll happen right after church. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about who we are, what we do, how you can continue to stay connected, you're going to want to hang out right after the service for five minutes. It happens right there in the front left corner of the sanctuary, and uh, Mel will be here leading that time. We'll be happy to have that time with you. All right, with that said, let's pray one more time as we open the Word of God. Father God, still the distraction. Be the present voice that leads us this morning. Allow us to to revere your Word. God, allow us to, to hear clearly from you. So Lord, anything that's of me that's in the way, I pray God that you would remove it. And I pray you'll use this morning to equip the saints and to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right. Well, um, a, a couple of things really, really quickly as we get into the word. Um, I, w- I don't want to miss a chance to say it in case I don't see you on Tuesday night. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I am so excited for Thanksgiving for a number of reasons, not the least, least of which is the wishbone. How many people have the family tradition of breaking a wishbone? No, only like eight of us. What do all the rest of you do with the bone? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? How many people have no idea what I'm talking about? Go ahead, you just confess. You're like, I got no idea what you're talking about. The wishbone, that's the bone that looks like a V and you break it and see who gets the longer end. No? All right, you must have been an only child. It's okay. It's all right. You always won. You always won. No problem. All right, well, look, look, that was probably one of the most memorable parts of Thanksgiving for me was the wishbone. And, and it's because there were very few things in life that I could beat my older brother in. But I think I had a running record of defeating my older brother in the wishbone challenge, right? I think I, I, I may have cheated. I may have cheated, but that's, not, that's irrelevant now. That's irrelevant, right? It was a means to an end, and that end has, occur- has occurred, right? So, so my brother and I had this competition, and I often won the wishbone. So I'm excited for that. He's going to be over. We'll renew that challenge. Um, and by the way, if you have an extra wishbone that you're not going to use, I challenge you, bring it. We'll do it on Sunday, okay? Clean it first, and then we'll do it on Sunday after church. That'd be great. Um, so that's, that's one. I'm also excited because, because we're a part of a great city, and, uh, and I love the Thanksgiving Day Parade. How many people love the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Anybody with me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys are the quiet lovers of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I should have done like this. Anybody with me? How many people love the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Okay. All right. How many people? Not so much. Not so much. Oh. Oh. All right. Okay. Okay. There'll be more space down there for us because you won't be there. That's all right. Okay. All right. So that's another reason why I'm excited for it. But the last reason why I'm really excited for Thanksgiving is because I'm excited to get together with all of you on Tuesday night and to have a time of thankfulness and remembering all that God has done and to celebrate together. And so I want to personally invite you and encourage you, come and join us. We're going to gather at Wissahickon, 5245 Ridge Ave, down the road. We're going to gather down at Wissahickon on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And I really hope you'll come. It'll be a different service. It's just a time for us to gather. We'll sing some songs. Pastor Charlie will have a, have a good word for us. But it'll really be focused on just cultivating a spirit of thankfulness in our own hearts and lives. And so I hope that you'll be a part of that to make, make, the, make it possible to be with us for that time. As we, as we look at Matthew chapter 13, we're rounding out. This is the last week of this sermon series that we've been going through, the parables of Jesus. And I hope you've enjoyed them. If you haven't had a chance to catch up on them, you can go back and, and follow them online. They're up on our website. And you can hear the last um, five or so weeks of, of uh, or eight weeks. I don't know, it's been a long time. Last, I think it was eight weeks. I think it's week number eight of our sermon series. So um, if not, it's been a while. So check them out and enjoy them. Um, But we're going to wind down here talking about the parable of the weeds. So we're in Matthew chapter 13, and if you have your Bibles, I'm going to start in the 24th verse. In our church tradition, we say amen when we open our Bibles and get to that place, or when we affix our eyes on the screen and we're ready to read. So if you're ready with me, in uh, Matthew 13 verse 24, can I hear amen? amen? Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. 
the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. I'm going to skip down to verse 36. It says, then he, that's Jesus, then Jesus left the crowd and he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Jesus, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters, they're the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will, they, they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Father God, make sense of this parable in the same way that you instructed the disciples and, and then gave further explanation. I pray here now, God, that you would use my voice to give explanation to your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know that uh, over the summer we took a road trip. And uh, it, was, it was a fantastic time away. And we did everything from like celebrating birthdays to hanging out with literally hundreds of young kids at a camp. To, uh, to, to, to chasing the weather in Maine and to, uh, to, 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 to spending a couple of days living in the driveway of one of our good friends. What a, an amazing trip. But how many of you know when you go away, one of the good things about going away is getting to come home? Anybody, anybody with me on that? Like, you know, you know you've been away the right amount of time when you're excited to be back home, Right? And look, and, and our family, there's a number of reasons why we're excited to be away and then a number of reasons why we're excited to be home. But one of the reasons why we were excited to get home was that when we travel, we travel in our box on wheels. And our box on wheels has a refrigerator, but that refrigerator is, it's itty bitty. You know, it's kind of like a college dorm room refrigerator. You guys remember those? Remember those like under the desk refrigerators, those little ones, right? Like think about like a cooler that you plug in, okay? That's what it is, right? And so you can't fit very much in that, right? So you got limited supply. So I won't say who, but some of our family were really excited to get home to, uh, to get to the bigger refrigerator, right? Well, you know, there was going to be a couple of more options, and, and, uh, and, and we, were, we were really, really jazzed about that. One of the things we were excited to get home for 
coming out of the refrigerator was going to be bowls and bowls of cereal. Like endless bowls of cereal. And not like when we're away, you only get like one or two options, right? And so you got to like family feud over what options of cereals you take. Because, you know, a family of six, we're not all agreeing on boxes of cereal. Amen? Anybody else's family wrestle with this? No, just mine? Okay, we keep Kellogg's in business, no problem. So, so here it was, we were excited to get home. There was going to be a plethora of cereal options. And so we got home and we raced into the house. And every one of us grabbed our favorite box of cereal. And we poured them into the bowls and we were ready to go. We sat down with our spoons and we waited for someone to come and pour our milk. What a treat it was going to be. And so into the fridge to grab the milk out of the really human-sized refrigerator that we have, you know, like normal size. And so out comes the milk and to the table it goes and off comes the cap and we're ready to dig in. And someone starts to pour our cereal. And you know the sound that it makes when, when milk pours into the bowl. You can picture that. Stop picturing it. It didn't happen. It made this sound. Clump. And we knew right away that something was wrong, that this was not good. Y'all got that picture? You, you got that illustration, right? Some of y'all grossed out right now, okay? Uh, we didn't need to taste it to know it wasn't good. We knew it wasn't good. We immediately called our favorite restaurant and asked them to deliver. It was great. All things were fine in, 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 uh, in Garcia House. Well, so in this parable, as Jesus is teaching, he, he, he tells a story. And we're going to draw three points out of this story this morning. We'll look at some other scriptures to help us to make sense. But the first thing we want to acknowledge before we even draw the points out of the story is that he, um, it, 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 the parable gives insight to something being off, to something not being as, it was, as was expected, right? And so Jesus starts off by telling the story. He says, there was a guy who went around and planted seed, and the seed was... Oh, we participate together. And there's a guy who went around and planted seed, and the seed was good. It's not a trick question, right? Like, he planted good seed, okay? So the guy went around and planted seed, and the seed was good. And it, by the way, he was the guy who owned the farm or the field or whatever that was, wherever the crops were going to be. So he planted good seed. And when you plant good seed, you know what happens when you plant good seed. You get good crops, right? Okay, good. You guys are all like... Saul graduates, I, I see what you're doing there. Uh, I, like I had to Google these things, but you got it right offhand. That's good. All right, so here we go. So you plant good seed, you get good crops, and, and we, we get the picture that Jesus is telling. So join with me in my first point this morning. Jesus came to sow good seed. I want to say this to every one of us, right? Jesus came to do a great work, a good work in your life. Jesus came to do, to sow, to plant good seed with an expectation that good seed would return good crops. Y'all with me? Right? So the work that Jesus did initiating this process was good. It was good. Some of us need to understand that this morning because we wrestle a little bit with whether or not, whether or not what God is doing in our life is, is good. Maybe, maybe we've misstepped on our path, and we're way out here, and we're like, God, I thought you were doing a good thing. How am I way out here? 
or maybe we're feeling some kind of way. We've got some emotions that we're catching because of things that are going on in the world around us. And we're like, God, I thought you were doing a good thing. What's happening here? I want to bring us right back to the beginning of the story where Jesus is instructing the disciples. And he says, hey, guys, the farmer planted good seed. The origins, the roots, the beginning. It was good. It was right. And there was a healthy and righteous expectation that the return from that would be good as well. Look with me in Matthew chapter 7. This is not going to be on the screen. So you'll either need to look it up. Or you'll need to write it down and remember it so that you can look it up when you get home. But in Matthew chapter 7, in the 17th verse, this is what it says. Jesus is again giving instruction. And he says this. He says, every good tree bears, anybody know what it might say? Good fruit. That's right. Every good tree bears good fruit. But a, a bad tree bears Okay, you're with me. I like it. All right. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot, let me say this again, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will know them. Jesus gives this instruction again and he says, he says, look guys, things that are planted that are good will eventually produce things that are good. And things that are planted that are bad will eventually produce things that are bad. And by the way, this is important because you will ultimately know whether it's good or whether it's bad by what it produces. By the outcome of its life. But when it comes time to harvest, the return on it will give clear indication whether it was a good tree or a bad tree. As Jesus goes back in Matthew uh, in the 23rd chapter, as Jesus is giving, uh, giving the parable this morning, he, he says that the, 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 the plant, the, the original seed was good, and then someone came behind him and planted some seeds that weren't so good. And as a result of that, what happens? Well, as a result of that, eventually, not right away, but eventually, People begin to recognize, wait, there's good and bad, and it's, it's mixing together. What's going on here? What do we do? Can you, just, can you think about this for a second? Like, be one of the disciples who's hearing this story, right? You're hearing this story for the first time, and you're like, all right, good fruit. I mean, good seed goes in. Someone scatters bad seed, and all of a sudden we got things that are sprouting up that are good and bad. What do you naturally think? The same as, as Jesus told. He said, should we go and, like, pluck out all the things that aren't good? You guys remember when you got your first gray hair? Some of you are like, no, not yet. Not yet, right? No. And it looked good, 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 good. I mean, I was probably like 15, so I remember it. I remember it. I got my first gray hair, and everybody, everybody thinks the same thing. How do I cover it up, or how do I pluck it out? Right? Right? Look, don't give my secrets away, Kenny. Come on, there's a reason I got this cut, Right? So look, look, I mean, this is the first thought that everybody has when you get your first. And now look, eventually you realize, like, I can't keep up with this pace. And so then you embrace it, right? You embrace it. But that initial transition, you're like, okay, 
you know, you're calling up Jackie. She's our local hairdresser in the church. You're calling up Jackie. Like, Jackie, what can you do about this, right? Right? And she's like, uh, I, I'm booked for the next couple weeks. You're like, okay, CVS, can I get, can I get some temporary dye or, or can, I, can I get some tweezers, right? Those are your options. No different in the story, right? You start to see these things sprout up and you're like, hmm, those look like some things we should get rid of. And so the natural just comes out like when something's not good, I want to get rid of it. I want to pluck it out of there. And so the disciples say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, is this the right thing? Can we just go around and pluck out everything that's not good? And interestingly enough, Jesus says, no. He says, no. Wouldn't, wouldn't you expect him to say yes? Wouldn't you expect him to be like, hey, like, no, yes, yes, no, yeah, no, no. I'm not sure about you. Let you grow a little bit more and figure out. Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you expect him to, but he doesn't do that. He actually says, no, verse 29. Verse 28 says, the, the servants asked Jesus, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat along with them. Jesus came to sow good seed, and the work that Jesus initiates in your life is indeed good. But as I said in Matthew chapter 7, we will eventually know the goodness of God by the fruit of God in our lives. And so let me help us understand how it is that we bear good fruit. The second point this morning, the church is meant to care for the found and seek for the lost. I want, to, I want you to sit on that for a second. Don't, don't, don't bring that screen down. Let's leave that there for a minute. The church is meant to care for the found and seek for the lost. If I were telling the parable that Jesus told and I didn't have Jesus' word to, to balance it against, I would have said yes to that question. Like, yeah, go out there with a, with a hoe. If that's not strong enough, get, get, like, a, get like a John Deere. And just, you know, like get everything out of there. And if something else comes along with it, so be it. But anything that's not good is getting out of there, right? Like I, uh, if I have to start over, I'll start over. That reminds you, doesn't it? Even when I say that? Do you remember the story of that happening? Does anybody remember the story of, of God saying, I'm going to start over? Y'all been in church for more than a minute, so I know you know the story. You probably can remember it back to, some of y'all might remember like flannel graphs of it. Some of y'all remember like a sight and sound of it, right? And, and everybody has probably seen, sung some kind of song about it, right? There was a guy who built a boat and called everybody he knew to get on it and brought in the animals and how many came on? How did they come in? Oh, y'all know this, right? They came in two by two, right? Okay, that's good, right? And so, so y'all know, know this story, right? But, but we know what happens in this story, right? Like God says, all right, that's enough. Noah, you found favor in my eyes. Gather your family. This is your chance. Anybody who's not on the boat, you ain't making it. And so Noah gathers his family and they get on the boats. And I imagine he probably negotiated with some other people. Come on, come on, come on, please come in, come in, come in. Maybe they said yes, maybe they said no. At the end of the day, the waters rose and everything that was moving came to a stop. And then eventually, the sun comes out and the waters recede, and, and God says, I'm starting a new thing. But then he also gives Noah this promise, doesn't he? What's the promise he gives him? He gives him a sign. Anybody remember what the sign is? 
Yeah, there you go. He gives them the sign of the rainbow. He says the rainbow will forever mark what God has done and the promise that God will not destroy it again. That God will not do this again. If I were telling this parable. All right, so we're not flooding with water, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm excavating everything. I'm, do, I'm dig deep, digging deep if I have to, to get everything that's not right out. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't tell that story. He actually says no. He says don't do it because when you're plucking the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat. Why is it that the weeds and the wheat might uproot together? Well, see, when you're listening to the story that Jesus tells, he says the, plant, the, the, the farmer planted the seed. Somebody came behind him and planted bad seed. And then it was a season when those, both of those things were growing. And he says you couldn't tell which was which until it was time for the harvest. Until the wheat came to fully grow. When they were sprouting up, you know what they both looked like? Something that was sprouting up out the ground. You know why? Because they were sprouting up out the ground. This is not a trick story, right? Like all of a sudden these things were growing. You're like, oh, my goodness, I've got more than I thought. But some of what you got isn't actually good. Can I help us to make sense of this for a moment? When I say the church is meant to care for the found, Jesus' instruction to say, hey, don't uproot it, is because if you uproot it, you may actually lose the good crop. You see, Jesus was about the good crop too. And Jesus was for the people of God. We see this in the stories, that, in the parables that we've already preached on. Remember the woman who only had a little and she lost one of them and she, she flipped over everything and, you know, uh, rolled up the carpet to look for this lost coin? Remember that? Right? She was looking for the one who was lost, right? Like she wanted to find the one who was lost. But, but, but she didn't get rid of everything she had in doing it, right? She took what she had and she set it aside and said, I want to make sure you're okay. And I'm going to go look for these others. Remember, remember the, the, uh, the, 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 the lamb who wandered away, right? And Jesus doesn't say, you know, in that story, he doesn't say, okay, like forget about the 99. He, he, he said, let's make sure these ones are okay. And then let's go look for the one who got lost. And then let's come back together. Remember the story of uh, the prodigal son that we preached through? Remember the father is looking for his lost son over and over and over again? But he doesn't do it at the expense of losing his other son. His other son was already there, was already, was, was, at, was festive with the family. And then, even at the very end of the story, when the, when the older son was disappointed because he, so much attention was given to the one who was lost, the father says, don't you know that you have always been with me? Don't you know that I've always been with you? Right? That, that Jesus is for caring for those who have been found. Now, l- let me help that make even more sense for you today. And Jesus is for you. Hard stop. Jesus is for you. Whatever you're going through right now, however difficult it is, whatever the, what, you know, whatever the response that's coming up from the, from the lower parts of who you, lower parts of your, 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 your what, what, yeah, you know what I'm saying. The grumblings of your belly, right? Like the deep places in you. Whatever's coming up out of that, it doesn't change this. He's for you. He started something that was good in you. And he desires to see that come to harvest.
let me also say this. He's for those who aren't here yet. He's for those who may be here and not actually know Jesus to be the Lord of their life yet. And matter of fact, not only is he for them, not only, is he, not only is he, does he care deeply for them, if you follow the pattern, watch, if the church is meant to care for the found and seek for the lost, every time a lost is found, it's another person to care for, right? So there's a pattern here that happens, right? Church, care for those who are found and run after those who are lost. And when they're lost, they become found. And what do you do? You care for them. And then what do you do? Run after the ones who are lost. And the ones who are lost, care for them. Y'all see what I'm saying here? Y'all see this, right? Like, church, we have, an, um, we have a mission. We have an appointment. We have an agenda that is God-given. That we are called by God to care for those who gather and to seek after those who aren't yet gathering. To run into the world with the good news of the gospel. But as the good news of the gospel invites people in, we're meant to, we're called to, we're equipped to. The good work that God is doing in our lives is enabling us to care for those who are coming in. And then to charge those who are coming in to go seek after those who aren't yet here. To run after those who are still lost. That happened for every one of us. Now you might be saying, well, Pastor Ray, you don't know my story. I've been here since I came out of the womb. I was here that next Sunday. That still happened for you. Your lost might not have looked like of being outside of the church. But there was a season in your life when you were still lost. There was a season in your life where Jesus wasn't the Lord over your life that he is today, right? And so the church's effort to care for you meant giving you a space where you could grow and you could mature and you could, you could test the waters and do all those crazy things you were doing. They would still say, we love you. We love you. I'm reminded when I was uh, about two and a half years old in my faith, I was uh, invited by my church to be a Sunday school teacher. That's a good idea. They were like, Ray, come and teach the little ones. And I was, I was a freshman in college, and, and I had done all the things that freshmen in college do. I had uh, gone to school and, 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 and tried to stay up way too late at night. And my big rebellious moment of life, this is, this is live on the Internet to hear. My big rebellious moment in life my freshman year was I got my ear pierced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, super rebellious, I know, I know. When I got home and I was so excited, I showed all my friends, look at this, the ear, it's blinging, you know. I should have put one in today just so y'all could see it. I got home and I was so excited to show everybody and I showed everybody and, and most of the people in my life were really excited. Maybe the one who brought me into the world questioned it. But besides that, there were some other people, there were a couple other people who questioned it too. My mom questioned it by just the choice of the earring that I put in. But other people questioned it for the fact that I had an earring. And this is how it went down. I got to church that Sunday morning, which was my first Sunday morning to teach Sunday school. And I was so excited to teach the little ones. And I taught the little ones and I showed them and Father Abraham had many sons, you know. And whatever the lesson was that day, it was great. I think, at least I, I thought it was great. And right after church, I got called into the pastor's office. And I knew I was getting called in because he wanted to compliment me on the lesson that I had done. And I remember my pastor saying to me, Ray, the choice you made is going to prohibit you from teaching anymore. 
I was devastated. I was crushed. And I just, I remember walking off that day just being like, could it really be that, that having my ear pierced was, would disqualify me from the goodness of God? I want to remind you today, whatever it is that you're sitting in, it doesn't change who planted the seed in your life. He planted a good seed. And given time, the good seed will bear good fruit. So sit with the Father in this moment. Be a part of the church and be cared for. Accept and step into the role of seeking after the lost. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus says, the Son of Man, he's talking about himself. He says, I came for two things, to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says, this is why I'm here. I came to seek and to save the lost. Friends, if you're in that situation, or if you're like me, you were following Jesus for a minute and something flattened your tires, I want to encourage you. Be a part of the church. Be cared for by the church. And then as you step into the calling of who God has created you to be, producing the fruit that God has asked you to produce, you can seek after, you can run after those who are still not apart and can invite them in. I want to spend the last 10 minutes of our message this morning talking about a a little bit heavier of of a point that comes from this passage. And I want to ask you, before I bring up this third point, I want to ask you to ask yourself um, this question. Why are you here this morning? Now, you can go as deep as you want with that question or as wide as you want with that question. Your, your response to why am I here this morning may be like, it's, it's Sunday, this is what I do. And that may have real depth to it. Your, your answer to why am I here this morning may be like, I jumped out of bed and I didn't know what else to do and, and I got in the car and I just started driving and I showed up here. Awesome. And that have, may have real depth to it. And your response may be a variety of other things. But some of you may want to answer the question this way. I'm not sure why I'm here this morning. I'm trying to figure that out with God. <clears throat> the third point that I want to bring to you this morning that comes from this text is this. We don't know when, but we do know the finality of it. This passage, as Jesus tells this story, um, points to a picture of an end. Of an end. And we don't know the details of that end. We don't know when it will happen. We don't know how much leverage there will be to negotiate with the king in that moment. We don't know what say we will have in it. What we know is that that end seems like it's permanent. In, uh, in the 13th chapter of Matthew, this is, uh, as Jesus is telling the parable, this is what he says. He says, let them both grow up together, talking about the wheat and the weeds. Let them both grow up together until the time of harvest. And at that time, I, Jesus is saying, I will tell the harvesters, go collect the weeds, tie them in bundles, 
Send them to be burned. And then gather the wheat and bring them into the barn. Now listen, I don't, I, I don't want to try to draw too many uh, definitive statements out of this, but I'll draw this one pretty clearly for us. If having to choose between going into the barn or being burned, barn seems like the right answer here. All right? Now look. You might be thinking to yourself, Pastor Ray, I, I, I don't like the thought of this idea of burnt. Me neither. Me neither. Pastor Ray, I'm not real comfortable with the idea that, that, that there's, a, that there's a, a, something that's opposite of heaven. In, in our world, we understand this to be hell. That there's this hell and that's a forever place. I, I'm not real comfortable with it either. Matter of fact, I'm so uncomfortable with it, I'm even more comfortable with heaven. Right? That's how uncomfortable with that I am. Right? I am not wanting to arm wrestle you into an understanding of, uh, uh, of, of how brutal and how, how devastating this eternal place of hell could be. I, I'm not real interested in that. I don't, I'm, I'm not really excited about the fact that people come to Jesus because they want to escape hell. Because I think that, that that's a hard transition to stay with Jesus. But I'm really excited about this. Jesus, when he tells this story, he makes it really clear that that's the end point. There's an end. And that when that end happens, that there is a dividing point. There's a point where, where Jesus says the wheat and the weeds, they get separated. And the wheat, which is simply the good seed that God himself planted. The good seed gets embraced in a forever way with God. Now listen, again, I don't know what heaven will be like and I don't know what hell will be like, but I do know this. God has promised his presence in heaven. And if I'm willing to spend my Sunday mornings asking God to be present with me, then if I get to choose between being present in a place where he is and in the, or being in a place where he's not, if I spent whatever years of life I had trying to be present with God and then God says there's an invitation for you to be present with me forever, it seems logical. This doesn't seem like a big leap here, right? I spent hopefully a lot of years of life Walking this earth trying to say, God, I want to be close to you. God, I want to understand you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to be known by you. God, I want to look more like you. And then God says, all right, Ray, here it is. Open the door to the right or the door to the left. By the way, I won't surprise you. If you open the door to the right, I'm there. And if you open the door to the left, I'll never be there. Which one do you want? For me at least, I'm looking at that moment and saying, door to the right, twice, just in case. Right? Like, I want to go in, I want to stay in, I want to deadbolt that thing on the other side and make sure there's no, no returns on this. Right? Like, that's, that's a direction for me. We don't know when it will happen. Matter of fact, in Matthew 24, in the 36th verse, Jesus, is, Jesus says this. He says, but about the day or the hour, no one actually knows. Not even the angels in heaven. By the way, 
Jesus told in the parable in, in Matthew 13. He said that he'll send his angels when the time is right. It says, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the, in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be grinding in the grinding it with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Jesus, when he gives this, when he, when he tells this story about this final day, there's still a picture of the finality of it, that this is it. It is over. So we don't know when, but we do know that it will be done. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, those are the angels, go and collect them. The weeds, tie them up and get them ready to be burned and gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The disciples gathered together and said, Jesus, that one seemed tough. Could you tell me that a little clearer? And he says, sure, the harvesters, they're my angels. I'm going to send them out. And the weeds, those are the ones that don't belong to me. And the wheat... That's the good seed that my father planted. Those are the ones who have said yes to me. And the invitation is to, for them to come and be with me forever. So when Jesus tells this parable and then he breaks it down with even more clarity to the disciples, I can imagine him sitting here with you and me today and saying, friends, please listen to this. Saying, friends, please listen to this. I've come that you can have life, and that life could be full. It could be abundant. But in this full and abundant life that I offer you, you get to choose. Do you want to be a part of my forever party or not? Do you want to come home or not? So this morning, I thought the way we'd end our time in this message is to give you a chance to think through that exact question. Are you ready to be able to say yes to Jesus in a, in a new or renewed way today? So let me set it up for you this way. I can imagine there's some of us here, young guys, try your best, all right? I can imagine there's some of us here this morning who are thinking to yourselves, Pastor Ray, Jesus and I, we're in lockstep. We're good. If the skies were to crack or he rode in on a Harley, doesn't matter. I'm with him. I'm ready. And I want to celebrate that with you. So if you're in that spot where you're like, Jesus and I, like we're, this might be the best season Jesus and I have ever had together. Then this morning, your prayer might be something like, hey, God, thank you. With the spirit of thankfulness, I come before you, and I just want to celebrate the closeness that we have, the forever tie, but the, 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 the revelation of your promise for me. So now help me to be someone who's seeking for the lost. Give me an agenda 
to go after everyone who doesn't yet know you and invite them into this gift that I have with you. Maybe that's where you're at. And I invite you to pray a prayer like that. Maybe you're here this morning saying, hey, you know what, like, I'm not worried about whether I'm going to be with Jesus forever. Like, sure, I know my salvation is secure. But right now, this season of life that I'm in doesn't feel very safe. Right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like Jesus and I are living together well. I'm not surrendering to him the way I could, or I'm short with people around me, or, or I've just allowed some of my old ways to kind of reestablish root in my life, in my life, and I just need to, I need to lay that down before God and say, God, like, I want to confess these things to you. These are areas of my life that just don't look like you. And the Bible says that they will know us by our fruits, and right now, I'm bearing some good fruit, but some of the fruit that I'm bearing doesn't look like you at all. And so, God, would you eradicate those things from my life? God said he's not going to send someone else to do that until the time of harvest. But that doesn't mean he won't do that for us, that he can do it. Like, I'm not a steady enough hand to start plucking things out, right? But God is. God is. So, God, take these things from me. Replace them with habits that are holy and righteous and good. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. And then I concede this. Some of us show up every week or maybe showing up for the first time, but that doesn't mean that we actually have a relationship with Jesus. No one can bring you into that relationship. I can't. Showing up here enough can't. Looking good enough, clean enough, cute enough, round enough, tall enough, bald enough. None of those things. Y'all can laugh about the bald enough one. Come on. Come on, there's a bunch of us in here got that same haircut. None of those things, none of those things can bring you to that place. This is a moment that you get to be earnest with Jesus and say, hey, God, this morning, would you count me among your own? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going I'm to initiate this prayer for us, and then I'm going to ask you to just take a moment or two and just silently where you're at, just spend a moment with God. This may be the greatest gift that you receive today both in terms of like what God might do in this moment, but also in terms of just having a moment of peace, right? Everybody who's a mom or a dad with little kids, you understand that, right? Like right now, they're not tugging on you, right? And you, this, this might be the only moment today you get like this, so enjoy it. But to have this moment with God. Would you pray with me? And then as I stop praying, would you continue praying in the stillness and the quietness of your heart? Father God, you came to plant good seed. That is the only seed you know how to plant. God, you are a good and gracious God, pursuer of our souls. God, you love us. You have displayed your love for us. For, you've displayed your love for me, God. While I was yet sinner, you died for me. While I was still lost, you made a way for me to be found. And yet, God, this morning I recognize that, that there are moments where my life looks more like the lost than the found. There's moments where I look more like I belong to my own than I belong to you. And so, God, this morning I invite you. For everyone who, is, who has already been found, 
Help us to feel cared for. Do the excavating work of our lives to remove things that don't look like you and replace them with things that surely do. Help us to be holy and righteous and good. Not so that we can earn our way somewhere, but actually, God, so that we can produce a fruit that will be invitational to others. That would help others to see the goodness of God. God, there's also some of us here this morning who we don't know you. We know about you. We know your stories. We know when to say yes and when to say no. We know how to be good people. But we don't know you as the Lord of our life, the forgiver of our sins, the one who can resurrect our souls. And so, God, maybe this morning somebody needs to say yes to you in that space. Lord, I accept you to be the Lord of my life. Renew me. Call me your own. Help me to be found today. And Father, some of us are just at the sweetest spot we've been in with you in a long time. And we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're students of the Word of God, and we're, 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 we faithfully have just been pursuing you and being pursued by you. And so we're just celebrating our relationship with you right now. Burden our hearts for those who aren't yet celebrating. That we can invite others to come and celebrate too. To know you as the forgiver of their sins. And the one who promises us a forever place with you. God, this morning, in a gentle way, would you separate the weeds and the wheat? And would you call every one of us to be the good seed that you've planted. Hear us now as we spend a moment or two praying silently and then receive from us the gifts that we bring to you today and the final song and the gifts that we leave in the offering that you would use it for the kingdom purposes that you have. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.